The information presented on this program is not intended to take the place of your personal physician's advice and is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Discuss this information with your own physician or healthcare provider to determine what is right for you. The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Water is the most precious resource on the planet, yet water everywhere is contaminated. Originating from polluted sources, bottled water is transported across oceans and continents in potentially toxic plastic containers to consumers, while simultaneously contributing to the global crisis of pollution and carbon emissions. Recently, the World Health Organization released a study revealing 98% of all bottled waters contain microplastics. Greetings from your host, Mel Fabregas. And if you're new to the Veritas family, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, just click on the subscribe button. And don't forget to visit the Veritas store for MMS, hemp oil, pure organic sulfur, and much more. And if you want to get in touch with me, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. Tonight's special guests are Stephen and Kirsten Settlemeyer. Dr. Settlemeyer appeared twice on Sanitas Radio, so I highly recommend that if you haven't listened to those interviews that you do, we'll have both give us a short bio shortly. But before we begin, I want to share with you a short audio clip from our late friend and guest of this radio program, Jeff Harvey. Jeff passed away a few years ago, but it was him who brought Stephen Settlemeyer to my attention because of my interview with Dr. Jerry Pollack and the water he discussed, which is Divinia water. The water prolonged his life. Let's listen. You and I have been in communication and you are not doing that well health-wise. In fact, I believe that even your doctors told you that your days were counted and, and you called me and, and told me of the news and we were very sad to hear, but all of a sudden something changed. And this is why I want you here today to let us know what you did to reverse course. Well, it was uh, pretty interesting because basically I had congestive heart failure. I was in end-stage kidney failure, and uh, things were not good. They gave me two or three days to live, and um, you know I thought, well, I'm going to enjoy myself in my last few days, so... I ate a few things that I really wanted to eat before I went. I uh, called the uh, crematorium and I set up my uh, appointment for that and everything was all done. I was ready to go and I was okay with that. And then I thought, you know what, I'll, I'll put on a, one night I said I'll put on a, uh, a radio show and listen. Of course, it was uh, your radio show and um, you had Jerry Pollock on. And I'm listening, and in there he's discussing um, the fourth stage of water and how he knew a scientist who basically was using this water to reverse end-stage kidney failure. Of course, my ears perked up because this is what's killing me, and I thought, well, this is pretty interesting. So I had to get hold of you, so I, I called you, and you're the one who saved my life because you put me in touch with Jerry, and Jerry put me in touch with the scientist, 
And basically what happened was is he had one slot left for an output of his processor that puts out the material that actually reverses it. So without your input, I wouldn't be here today. And also, I recently almost lost someone very close to me. I contacted Stephen and Kirsten, and they were kind enough to send me water. As of right now, that person is close to me is getting much, much better. Homeostasis is the key. I can personally attest that this water works. I'd like to welcome Stephen Settlemeyer and Kirsten Landers Settlemeyer to Veritas. Hello and welcome. How are you? Very good. Thank you, Mel. Thank you for having us on your show. Hi, Mel. Thank you. We we appreciate being um, on this conversation with you. We're looking forward to um, discussing with you more about the water and what we've been up to over the past few years. Likewise, it's been many years, too many years since we last spoke. And I am so glad to see the evolution of Davinia water because when we spoke first years ago, you were starting this, uh, Stephen, correct me if I'm wrong, but it has evolved now and you have a 12,000 square foot facility. You have plans to expand throughout the United States distribution centers. First of all, for the people who may not know who you are, just give us a, a quick bio of all the things that you did in the past. And then we also like to talk to you, Kirsten. Well, part of my bio starts when I was 16 years old and got a National Science Foundation grant for Arctic and Alpine research, which uh, today, as we know, is global warming. Uh, but we started studying the Arctic climate back in 1966. And I, I just dug up that letter because I wanted to show my children. It says, uh, you're too young uh, for the normal people that we give grants to. Uh, however, if your parents could drive you to and from the University of Colorado and the Arctic Alpine Research Center, uh, we'll let you do it once you have permission from your parents. So that was before I could even drive myself legally. And, and it was terrific. It was studying the effects of global warming even back then, which it started back then. Um, then I worked for Martin Marietta when I was 15, 16 years old also. 17 years old, uh, in theoretical mathematics and spaceflight mechanics. Um, so I was doing theoretical math back when I was 16, 17 years old. Um, went to Colorado School of Mines, studied uh, physics, geophysics, computer science, uh, chemistry. Uh, the University of Colorado, I studied electronic engineering, and there's one more in there somewhere. Um, so then after I left Martin Marietta, when I was about 22, 23, I, I was a manager there. I started working on signboards or electronic instant replays in stadiums and arenas. And as part of that, uh, I sold that company to the Denver Nuggets and came up with what today is the foundation for the flat screen TV. So I was the first person to demonstrate that you can have a million pixels. Of course, now they're up at 4 million pixels, 8 million pixels. But I demonstrated that you could actually play and show and demonstrate a flat screen TV that could hang on the wall with four, with a million pixels. 
which is known as high-definition TV today. And as part of that, I also invented a laser projector. So most of the displays that you see around today, 99% of them probably are the basis of my technology. Uh, we got into a fight over that, of course, with um, the Japanese. A couple of employees stole some of the technology and were trying to make some money off of it. And we got into a big federal fight over that, and it went through the federal courts and in front of Congress, actually. And after that was over, I left the company because I was kind of sick of the politics of it and did some more display development, design patent. Then I retired to um, uh, Phoenix, Arizona for a period of time where then I started working on this technology, which was for the cleaning of water. And somewhere in there I left out that I also um, helped design some of the electronics on the original Mars Viking lander and um, helped help design some of the displays on it or the the actual video recorders on it. Um, and I, I've done some other stuff for uh, the governments. I helped do some cockpits displays and uh, reprogrammable cockpit displays for F, the, the F-16 and some of the aircraft, too. Uh, I did the Olympics in 1976 for the display systems. Uh, had the big scoreboards in Montreal there, plus some of the laser displays. Um, so I've I, I kind of done a varied amount of everything. And now I'm taking some courses, medical courses, uh, from Duke University, University of Michigan, Harvard, uh, to be able to catch up on some medical studies. I'm assuming that you're leaving the black ops part out? Yes, I am. Okay. And then, uh, of course, my daughter is... I'll let her speak for herself. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the biggest part of his biography. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, mine is, is obviously not as arrayed or um, as impressive as Stevens, but essentially the Divinia has been half of my life at this point. I went to um, great school in, in Phoenix, Arizona, an all-girls school, which allowed me to then matriculate into university in Los Angeles. I went to Loyola Marymount University and studied entrepreneurship there. In fact, it was one of the first programs offered at universities for entrepreneurship. So that's what my degree is in, with the emphasis on communication. Graduated from university and um, came back to work with my family and develop this company. So the development of the technology is something I've seen, like I said, for approximately half my life. Started it when we were, when I was 16 or 17, actually. Then when I completed college, went back and, and started working with the family and um, and developed our, our company and the, and the technology, had a hand in some of the research and development, procuring investors, finding institutions for research and development and independent study of the water and the technology. So uh, it's it's just been something I've dedicated essentially my life to. So that's how I'm here. And, and now it's a, it's a whole family affair. I think since we spoke last or since Stephen has spoken to you last, the whole family is on board. My mom, 
my brother, my husband, and even my three-year-old daughter comes to work with <laughs> us here. So it's all of us. It's all hands on deck and we're, we're all here together and, and making a big concerted effort into growing this company and offering this water to as many people as possible. It couldn't be a more appropriate time to have this conversation because all we see in the news right now is plastics everywhere. And one thing that concerns me a lot, and this is becoming more mainstream lately, a lot of people didn't know this, microplastics. I mean, I'm not going to say here that we're spraying this from chemtrails, but something is falling even in the most remote lakes in the world where they're detecting microplastics. Is it because of what's falling from the sky in plastic rain, or is, is it something else? It's combined because the microplastics, unfortunately, are coming from everywhere now. When you actually even wash your clothes, it's pulling off some of the plastic off of the clothes, the microplastics. And we're talking about micro or nanoplastics. We're talking about plastics that are less than the size of a hair. Um, and they're being washed out of the clothes and they're being drank by drinking bottled water and then you urinate. Hopefully you can get it out that way. And so um, all the plastics that are in the ocean, everything, and then, of course, the updrift of the oceans and the lakes and the rivers, when they start evaporating, lift the particles up in the air, and then they're suspended up there. And then when it rains, they attach to a, a piece of water, and they come raining down. Also, I would think chemtrails are probably contributing I've heard, I don't have first-hand experience, but I have heard from other scientists that there are microplastics in the chemtrail. So we're just inundated with it. When people burn trash, mm -hmm. it emits particles that are plastic that go up into the air. We're just inundated with it. And unfortunately, when it rains and that microplastics come down, it covers everything, which means that all the animals are exposed to it. We're exposed to it. All the plants are exposed to it. All the trees are exposed to it. So all the animals that we're raising for food, when they get rain or there's rain that has occurred on the ground and they're standing in it or uh, their feet is in it or whatever the method that they're exposed to it, that they also now absorb in that plastic too. So our plants absorb the plastic, our animals absorb the plastic, we absorb the plastic. So it's just not raining. We have to understand it's the entire food chain now, mm -hmm. which means from the smallest animal to the largest animal to everything else in between. So we're just now consistently being bombarded by nanoplastics, period. I remember years ago when they found the Titanic, the one thing that the scientists were saying, they noticed that there was no plastic at all in the entire contents there. So ever since the plastic came along, can we say that this has been one of the worst things that has ever happened to the environment in our history as humans? Yeah, it's, you know, when, when we start speaking about the unqualified 
results from knowing what's going to happen from a particular science. I reference nuclear energy right now. Nuclear energy on the surface seems great. The only problem is, is you have byproducts that live for 50,000, 100,000, half a million years. And we never took into consideration how we were going to dispose of those. So it was great to invent something, but the disposal of it was never thought of. Automobiles, when we came along and we invented automobiles, gasoline, it was a great saver of labor for humanity, allowed us to advance, allowed us to become more productive. The only problem is it spilled a lot of carbon monoxide out into the air, plus nitrates and a lot of other poisonous gases, which we've now had to deal with. And now we get to plastics coming along further. Plastics seem like a great idea. We wrap our food in it. We do everything in it with it. But there was never thought of how do you dispose of this? So we come along and we think about how do we produce something? Mm -hmm. We go down that line. But then how do you dispose of that? That's one of the reasons why we bottle our water in glass. And you go back and you look at 50,000 years ago, 30,000 years ago, they were making utensils out of clay, would fire it, and that clay would turn into a glass substance, a ceramic. You know, and even the Romans 2,000 years ago, most of their vessels were either a ceramic or glass or pottery. And it was elements from the earth that returned the earth without being chemically or, or nuclear modified. And so it was easy to dispose of those products. Our glass bottles, you grind them up back into sand. They come from sand, they return to sand. Sand doesn't hurt human beings. Australia has a great program going on, New Zealand does too, where they have invented a machine so when you're done with your beer in the bar, you walk over, you throw it into the machine, it grinds it up back into sand again, and someone comes by, picks that sand up, and goes back and rebuild their beaches again. I mean, how cool is that? That sounds great. Uh, you know. Especially with all the erosion we're seeing all over the place. Yeah. I, I mean, the Arabs of you know, decided that they were going to build islands. And so they're scooping sand out of the ocean and have built islands with it. When when they get hit, they just rebuild it. Of course, they have enough sand on land to be able to do that too. But we don't. Look at how the the oceans are rising and the beaches are being deteriorated. We're starting to get more hurricanes now. The hurricanes are more extensive than ever before. And because of those, our beaches are being eroded. It would be nice to be able to rebuild those beaches naturally. And so uh, one of the considerations when we set out and we started working on our our water is how are we going to make sure that this is sustainable? And how do we make sure that things are, are natural and they're returned? So what we do is try, we try to take all the contaminants out that we can of the water, which is about 100% of it. And we bottle in a very pure 
type of bottle. And then we hand stamp the bottles with our label. We don't put plastic labels on it that um, erode. So what happens is the ink that we're using on here can be washed off, non-harmful, returns back to the environment. The bottle returns back to the environment. We use a metallic cap that can be recycled. It's infinitely, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're, we're trying to do as little damage as we can. Well, to the environment. While also offering people a clean, uh, healthy choice or, or resource in, in water because we've done so much damage to our natural resources. And unfortunately, we can't drink from the streams like humans used to. We, 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 we can't just turn on our tap and trust what's coming out of our tap. And, you know, we get a lot of um, um, throwback or, or feedback from, from people Saying, well, you know, what isn't what you're doing purifying water? Isn't that isn't that you just making water unnatural? Isn't that unnatural to purify your water? Shouldn't you have all these things in your water? Um, and my reply is no, because what you're drinking now, whether it comes from natural resources, streams, lakes, rivers, what the EPA calls groundwater is also spring water, aquifers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. To me, that is man-made water. To me, that's water that isn't natural because of all the industrial waste that's in it, because of all the pollutants and toxins that are in it. And unfortunately, we've done that to ourselves. We need to essentially reverse some of the effects and impacts we've had on the planet. And this is our way of trying to reverse some of those effects. Bottled water gets a bad rap for creating some issues for the planet. And we agree with that. This is our response to that, that complex, to that industry, um, while also offering people a healthy alternative that really doesn't exist anywhere in the world anymore. I remember years ago reading an article from Harvard, and it said, do not flush unused medicines or pour them down the drain. Yes. But that doesn't do anything. I mean, how many people, how many Mm -hmm. women take birth control pills Mm-hmm. How many people are under chemotherapy drugs? You name it. And all those things, obviously, they're not absorbed completely by the body. They're excreted and they go into the water supply. So mm-hmm. how are people supposed to filter that? Is there even a filter out there that can just completely 100% take care of this? And even, Stephen, I saw you on a video. And by the way, folks, write this down. This website, ewg.org forward slash Tap water, enter your zip code, and be surprised to see what is in your water. How can you clean your water 100% unless you distill it completely, Stephen? You can't. Uh, You cannot. There's 80,000 chemicals right now in the water. And the EPA right now is regulating about 90 of them. So that leaves 79,000 910 chemicals unregulated. And because of the current EPA regulations, you no longer have to prove that something is harmful. Uh, For instance, they can dump anything they want in the rivers, basically, right now. And someone has to come along and prove that that's harmful. So everything's assumed as being unharmful till it's proved harmful. So that means the industry is getting away with basically dumping what they want to right now until someone comes along and stops them. That's what the Aaron Brockovich 
movie was about. Yeah. On it. So, and, and if I can get a little philosophical, the other problem we have right now is just the sheer amount of people we have, the densities of the people. And as you probably know more than anyone else, and maybe some some archaeological um, professors, is that most of the civilization right now lives next to a water source, whether it be a river, an ocean, whatever it is. So most of our civilization is concentrated on the East Coast or the West Coast within miles of the ocean or along the Mississippi River, Missouri River, etc., etc. And overseas, it's the same thing. Whether you're in Singapore, London, you name it, you have to have water for a civilization to grow. So the mass of people are near water sources. Well, if we go back and look at the ancient civilizations, again, they were the same way. Rome, whoever else, go back to the Mayans. And when that population started polluting their local area enough, and they did, they did the same thing, they polluted it, they would just get up and move, or the civilization would collapse. And they're, they're thinking that's one of the reasons why the Mayan and Aztec civilizations collapsed is because of pollution. They couldn't handle it anymore. Uh, that's what the great plagues were in Europe. But back then there weren't as many people and they were more mobile than our civilization is. Now our our civilization is not mobile. You, you can't decide, you know, I'm going to move down to the the confines of South America because and start with my own tribe down there and and build a village up there and when it hits ten million people I'll move. So people are now stuck in their their local areas. So what that means is that the pollution is now building more and more and more. And so what the response used to be you would just pick up and move. We were a society or the earth was society that were hunter gatherers. And when they destroyed a location or the, the location became uninhabitable, they would move. And you'd move to another place. And hopefully people weren't there. If they did, maybe you had war over it because you were trying to include into their their natural resource areas, take their resources from them. But you know what today what happens if we decide we want to take someone's natural resource? It's called war. And a lot of wars we've fought have been over trying to get natural resources. So the problem is water is a very much of a natural resource, and it's getting very, very polluted at this point. And so how, how do you fix that? Well, unfortunately, we aren't doing anything to fix it. The cities here in the United States, we have a minimum standard that we think that should be met with water so that people just don't actually fall over and croak in a day. You know, so we say 500 parts per million, and that's because about that level, water doesn't look murky. And you really don't want to be drinking murky water out of your tap water, although there's still 
several million people in the United States that that do, nor do you want to bathe in murky water. You, you would like to have water at least looking clean. So we've set a 500 parts per million level at where we process water to remove everything. Then when that water is clean to that standard, then it's then piped to your house. Well, unfortunately, the standard is back at the water conditioning factory. It's not at your house. So anything that interconnects between your house and where the water is processed at is not regulated to a great extent. And so that's what happened with the people in Flint, Michigan. They switched the water supply. wasn't a very good water supply. All the people they were feeding had lead in their pipes, and they had an acidic water. And when it, it actually flowed down to the pipes to the residents, that's when they all started getting sick because they were ingesting high amounts of lead at that point. So we live in a totally different world than what it was 100 years ago, 500 years ago, 1,000, 2,000 years ago. Our population in the world has increased. So what we've tried to do is be able to take what we're given. The f- fact remains that, you know, you have extra more people and they're going to live in an area and they have to deal with the water that they have, which has been polluted by millions and millions, if not billions and billions of people. And uh, one of the big things in retreating wastewater right now, they're calling um, toilet to tap. I don't know if you've heard that, Mel. No. But what that means is that places like San Diego, L.A., 30 to 40% of the toilet water is recycled for drinking water now. I remember hearing about landscaping, but not to tap water. No, it's now tap water. They're, they're calling it toilet to tap. And that's how they now make up the extra water that they need for drinking. So you are getting reprocessed toilet water. I remember years ago, and they have this article, consumers have to be told which of the 900 or so compounds known to the state of California to cause cancer, birth defects, or other reproductive harm is in what they buy, touch, breathe, or drink in the course of their day. Therefore, whenever I go to California and I'm entering an elevator, you get this big, big sign. This elevator is composed of material that could cause cancer. Then you get out of the elevator. I'm thirsty, and I hardly drink from, you know, water fountains, but I was thirsty, and next to the water fountain, this water may contain cancer causing. It's like everywhere you walk has a cancer sign in California. But as you know, 50% of men now, and I just heard a new statistic yesterday, and I'm not sure whether it's true or not, but I know it was 50% of men are going to get cancer in their lifetime. Mm-hmm. What I heard by going to a Cancer Foundation dance here uh, a month ago, two weeks ago, I guess it was, is 60% of men are now going to get cancer during their lifetime. 38% of women get cancer during their lifetime. To To me, that's just astounding. And people just kind of ignore it, you know. But that means if you had a room... Ten men in a room, six of those men are going to have cancer. To me, that's that's not that's not justifiable. 
that's just that's terrible. There's, that, that's there's pandemic. It's almost like a pandemic. This way of way above pandemic numbers. Uh, aren't pandemic numbers like thirty percent or something? Yeah. This is sixty percent. That means if, if you if I went to a classroom for elementary school and I looked in that classroom, saw boys and girls, I would expect 60% of those boys to get cancer in their lifetime and 38% of the girls in there to get cancer. And, and I know about two years ago it was 30% for women. So that means they've gone 8% in the past two years. So they're they're catching up to us. And the question uh, is, and Kirsten, you and I had this conversation the other day, about arsenic. And this is becoming mainstream. I get it on my phone and people are watching it in the news that bottled water has been found to contain a high amount of arsenic. And the thing is, bottling companies are not required to report minerals. Tell us more about that, Kirsten. Yeah, it's so interesting working in this space and living in this space and, you know, literally drinking water, breathing water, living water because you have such insight into things that the general public doesn't always have. Minerals, naturally occurring minerals like arsenic, do not have to be disclosed by bottled water companies because it's a natural mineral. And even some of these companies go so far as to say that the minerals is kind of the compound or, or what makes up the taste of their water. And in some ways, it could be considered a trade secret. So They don't have to do, disclose even the makeup of these minerals in their water, um, even if they're adding it to their water. The most important thing on a bottle of water is the source. Uh, and I think they hope that you just, you don't go and look at the source or see where the water is coming from. And, uh, you know, it just drives me crazy because they add some sexy story or make it sound like it comes from this remote, pristine location which might be true, but as we just discussed, that doesn't protect the water resource from any more contamination or it's still exposed to pollutants that are uh, airborne or even seep through the soil. So yeah, it, this consumer report that just came out a few days ago is pretty earth shattering in my mind. It's one of the first that I know of of its kind that is actually discussing and listing out the parts per billion of arsenic. In this report, they are saying that three parts per billion is actually dangerous to drink. And uh, the 11 brands that they mentioned is hovering right around that three billion, uh, three parts per billion mark that they're saying is, is dangerous. Uh, one brand that they actually mentioned said that at one point they were measuring levels of 10 parts per billion arsenic and that they had to recall 2,000 cases of water, um, had to revisit their filtration, and lowered it to th to three parts per billion arsenic. But um, that's still not safe. And bottled water and, and water in general has been described to me in a way for my brother that I really appreciate, and that water is, is made safe for us to drink today, generally speaking, coming from bottled water or the tap etc. So it's not supposed to kill you today, but as you continue consuming this water, it can eventually, it will have deleterious effects. It it's not good for you to have over time. And so I think people think, well, it's not hurting me right now. I don't feel hurt or sick by it now, but it's these, these 
these silent killers that over time contribute to these these health problems overall. And I think because you don't smell it, you don't see it, you don't taste it, people don't point to it as an obvious source for a lot of these medical conditions that more and more people are starting to see this day and age. I think the cumulative factor is the best plausible deniability item for the bottling companies. Mm -hmm. Because if you have fluoride, fluoride is a mineral, but it's a neurotoxin and it's in a lot of the bottled water and even in your, in your local water, folks. Plus, we have arsenic. Arsenic is a, is arsenic a natural compound? I'm not. I'm neither a geologist nor a chemist. But are these found in the natural water? We we get this question all the time. Do you have minerals in your water? And we answer no. They go well. How about my calcium or potassium or magnesium? Well, to get your the amount of calcium you would need in a day from a water that had calcium in it, the average water that has calcium in it, you would need about a 1,000 glasses of water a day, which, of course, that doesn't help quite a bit. But all of these things that I'm about to tell you are natural minerals. If you go to your mineral table, of course, potassium and calcium are, but so is rubidium and strontium and cesium and barium and francium and radium. Those last ones, of course, are all radiological minerals. We dig the earth up for them. Uh, we have plutonium. We have copper. We have nickel. We have zinc. We have iron. Um, osmosium, which is pretty bad for you. Uh, and then, of course, you all, the thinium um, ones, which are all radioactive. See, one, two, Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, five, twenty-six, twenty-seven, twenty-eight, twenty-nine, thirty, thirty-one, thirty-two, thirty-three, thirty-four, thirty-five, thirty-six, thirty-seven. Thirty-seven minerals are radioactive. On the table of elements. On the table of elements. Yeah. And they're all minerals. <laughs> they're all minerals. Lead is a mineral, you know. Uh, according to a lot of bottled water companies, maybe we should be drinking a lot of lead in our water because it's a mineral, you know. And that's what they're not uh, telling us. I mean, I've heard that the state of Washington is considering, this has been years. I don't know if they're doing it now, but they were considering adding lithium to the water in order to mitigate the suicide yes. situation. It, it, it makes you in a great zombie. Um, it, it's just like over in London right now, and we're speaking to some people about building a plant in London, but the average tap water, bottled water in London has cocaine in it. And how much cocaine? It's like a tenth of a um, dosage or something to um, that you would take. Of course, you drink you know, four or five glasses or ten glasses of water a day. So you're getting your good annual or daily dosage of opiates when you're in London drinking that water. So you're um, you're mellow, I guess. How does uh, cocaine get into the water? Is it because of the users who excrete that? Yeah, because cocaine is not totally utilized in the body and then it's excreted out. And, of course, as you mentioned, you're supposed to throw all your subscriptions not down the toilet, right? 
you're supposed to turn them into the medical centers so that they can dispose of them. And what they found out that a lot of medical centers went out back and flushed them down the toilet. <laughs> but many people take supplements, but how many people take all the other medications and the body does not metabolize the majority. I mean, the majority of things are not bioavailable to you, so you excrete that and that gets into the water supply. Now, right. why, are now, why are we not told in order for people to make the conscious decision to filter their water at least? You know, we, we've heard a lot of conspiracies in the past years. Kennedy assassination conspiracy, uh, UFO conspiracies, you know, and I'm not going to pass judgment on them one way or another, whether they're true or not. Third government conspiracies, that sort of stuff. The greatest conspiracy right now to people on the face of the earth, and I'm talking every single person on the face of the earth, is the drinking water that they're drinking. Mm -hmm. They cannot tell people that they are drinking opiate-laced, arsenic-laced, lead-laced, radioactive water in the cities. You cannot tell the people that the water they're drinking is contaminated and expect to maintain control and to be able to push your agenda. It is the greatest conspiracy going. And so how many people drink fluoride water? There's actually a bottled water out there that's fluoridated that they push for babies. Yes. And as you know, the Nazis during World War II used fluoridation in the um, Jewish camps, concentration camps, the concentration camps, and also the um, the ghettos, the and, ghettos, yeah, to try to keep them sedated. And so, and that's one of the byproducts. Of, that's what fluoride does is make you believe what you're told. And so, and that's why I believe fluoridation is pushed in the first place. And how can you how can you tell a city, I've got to cut off all your water supply because it, it's bad for you, it's harming you? How, how can you tell a city of London, 13.7 million people, well, we can't give you water anymore because it's unhealthy for you? Well, I'll get conspiratorial. I know that's not where you are. You are a nuts and bolts kind of person. I know that. But yeah. I'll do it. And I can, I can tell you that a lot of our Congress here in the United States, Parliament in, in the UK, and you name it, a lot of these people are bought and paid for by Big Pharma. So oh, if yeah. you have a water supply in your towns, and we know what they have, but Big Pharma will benefit by not saying anything, do you think those politicians will open their mouth and cut the hand that feeds them? I don't think so. No, they, nor will they spend the money to correct the problem in the first place. Right. Because the people that feed them, as you say, are the ones that are causing the problems in the first place. You know, and insurance and healthcare is so tied together that we've talked to several insurance companies. They really aren't, they don't care about curing problems. Well, and you see the interconnection between big pharma and the food processing businesses that I just found out lately, yeah. you wonder why a lot of our food, our processed food, is full of certain chemicals. And it makes you wonder if that's the road, and again, I'm going to say it again, 
plausible deniability. It doesn't kill you today. But many people who say, I, I cannot buy organic food, it's too expensive. Well, would you rather pay a little bit more now or would you rather pay a lot more later when you're older and you need the medical expenses? We knew a pharmaceutical rep that uh, was a pretty good representative for the pharmaceutical companies. And their model for the reps, for the salesmen and for the reps and regional managers was five by 50. By 50 years old, they want you on five prescriptions. And, I, and they actually have met that goal. And then I saw by the year 60 of age, I think you're on 13, and by the year 70, you're like on 18 prescriptions. Those are the exact words that Gwen Olson, the author of the book Confessions of an RX Drug Pusher, she said that to me years ago here. And what they really want is to have people from the moment they're born till the moment they're almost dying in some kind of prescription medication, even babies. I'm going to say it. I used to wet my bed. Well, that was normal, and then it stopped. Now they're giving those children antidepressants. Yeah. SSRIs for children who are wetting their beds or who cry too much. And you know the whole thing about ADD and ADHD. The labels that are placed on children, and 60%, 6 out of every 10 children lately, is under a, a psychotropic or psychiatric medication. Can you believe that? Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's... Hard to believe, but I do believe it because when my son was growing up, they wanted to diagnose him as ADD, ADHD. And I was fortunate enough to be raised in the Catholic school system where we had actual priests and we had good, tough nuns. With the rulers? You know, and when we got out of hand, we would get a whack or two every now and then. <laughs> With the rulers? I remember I went through it. Yeah, right. <laughs> but... You know, when we went out and played and had gym, which I don't know if they even have that anymore for most kids, is we burn off energy. Right. And then when I went to Regis High School, which was a, a all-boy high school, which I'm great, glad I did, one of the first things we did in the morning was have gym. We didn't have in the afternoon. Sometimes we did. But for the most part, we would go burn off energy. That's right. You know? in the morning and we had more trouble trying to stay awake in the classes in the afternoon than trying to cause trouble in the first place. And our concentration was extremely good. And of course a good ruler across the knuckles usually, (laughs) you know, sharpens your concentration pretty good anyhow. So when they, the teacher came to me and talked to my, me about my son I said, quite frankly, he's bored with your class. <laughs> and, and I said, the problem is, is that you aren't including them. I said, why don't you do this? Why don't you have him teach class about three or four times a month? She said, what? I said, he has full grasp and concept of it, but why don't you make him actually prepare and have to get up in front of the class and teach his subject three or four times a month? Never had a problem with them after that at all. I think it's all about channeling energy. These children are bored to death, especially when you have Common Core. You have Common Core. 
these children are just going nuts. So obviously a lot of people are being mislabeled and that they're moving the goalposts. I just read an article yesterday that the, the pharmaceutical companies are reducing the levels of blood pressure rates so oh, they yeah. can attract 30 more million people. Yeah. But that's what they do. That You know about cholesterol, right? I'm, oh, I'm absolutely. Dr. Sinatra, yes. who I think you probably had on your show too, mm -hmm. didn't you? Dr. Sinatra found out that women that have higher cholesterol over the standard they have today, that are 10 to 15% higher, I think, live the longest. That's right. And, and they're overweight. They live the longest. And they're the happiest. It's the ones that had the lowest cholesterol and were underweight lived the shortest. 25% of your brain, folks, is cholesterol. And, and so what... And so IQs what, go down. When you reduce the cholesterol, the IQ goes down. Yes. Well, you know, the cholesterol standard used to be, what, 250, 270. And there was a meeting with all the pharmaceutical companies and the doctors. And they decided, how can we get more people on the statins and everything else? And it dawned upon them, just lower the cholesterol That's right. level. That's why we're stuck with 200 now. And and it's funny because my wife just got her insurance test, and her cholesterol was 217. And the the insurance company is going, well, that you know is not under 200. Except her good cholesterol was over 85. So her ratio for good cholesterol to bad cholesterol, the HDL to LDL, was off the charts. Everything else was perfect. Everything else was perfect. Yep. She has extremely good cholesterol, extremely good. The ratio was, I don't know, 1 to 1.2 or something. Uh, incredible. And they're going, well, it's over 217. And you're going, you are kidding me, right? This is one of the healthiest women I know on the face of the earth. Her heartbeat is usually 60 Per minute. Per minute. Her blood pressure has always got 100 over maybe 70. Perfect health. And they're saying your cholesterol was 217, which actually is good because the HDL was so high, so good. You I know, recommend that, anybody, folks, to listen to my interview with Dr. Johnny Bowden. He wrote the book with Dr. Yeah. Stephen Sinatra, and he'll tell you exactly how this came to be, what... Stephen just said about this meeting that occurred in the Caribbean where they got together and they planned this, almost like they planned the Federal Reserve in the early 1900s, more or less what Big Pharma does. They get together and they say, how can we bring more people into our fold? And this is what happens behind the scenes. Yeah, and every time pharmaceutical needs more money, they just have them lower a standard so they can sell more drugs. Right. Just like you said on blood pressure. How many doctors have been found lately, oncologists, who have been lying to their patients, misdiagnosing them, saying that they have cancer in order to bring more money? Not all doctors are bad folks. I'm not generalizing, but it happens. When you have a profit-driven industry like this, you and I have had this conversation, Stephen. How many people say the cure for cancer has been found? Let's not talk about the word cure here in this program, but it has happened. How many oncologists would jump and say, please don't? You have the yellow ribbon. You have all the 
the run for life, the walk for life, all these millions of dollars are being sent to these entities, nonprofit, allegedly. And what is it? Only about a fraction goes into research and the rest goes to managers? Yeah, one of the biggest, largest, well-known cancer research foundation slash charities only funnels about 3% into research. The rest goes to, gee, let's pay the doctors, let's have balls, let's have our private airplanes, let's make sure everybody's very well fed, you have cars, nice cars, nice homes, nice meetings, you know, let's fly to the Caribbean three, four times a year, have our $30,000 a trip type of expense account. They have absolutely zero desire to find a cure for cancer other than philanthropic. And I've had this discussion for years. If you're making three, four hundred, five hundred thousand, a million dollars a year, do you want to cut the hand that feeds you? Absolutely not. You kind of fall in line. And this is why so many naturopathic doctors have been found dead in mysterious circumstances in the past few years. Yeah. But I want to discuss Davinia now, and then we'll have another segment soon. But when you have a bottle of water, brand that you can get at the store, and you have a bottle of Davinia water, what happens to your body when you take that brand that has arsenic and fluoride, and what happens to your body when you take Davinia? Well, first let's talk about Davinia a little bit. What we do is we send it through a multi-stage processing unit, which removes 99.99% of the contaminants. Then after it's gone through, and that stage re- includes reverse osmosis, UV, ozone, several filters, deionized filters, ions, a vapor compression distiller, We then feed that into our unit. And our unit is a resonant chamber that oscillates at the frequency of the oxygen-hydrogen bond. So the bonds that are between the oxygen and hydrogen are actually changed percentage of them. And what they do is they become coherent bonds. Most bonds are incoherent. They're random. These are coherent so that we have a very changed water. And that process also, there is something called deuterium. Deuterium is a water molecule, and a water water molecule has at least nine different chemical formulas for water. We, We think water is H2O. I'm here to tell you, folks, water isn't just H2O. Water can be... Let's start with hydrogen, which is got two hydrogens, and the oxygen. But the oxygen can contain 16 electrons, 17 or 18. So you have hydrogen O16, hydrogen O17, hydrogen O18. And starting at HO2, H2O16, the water keeps getting heavier and heavier. So the next form is when you have this deuterium. Deuterium is a hydrogen that has two neutrons. Now, neutrons are the regulators that stop protons and other neutrons by being heavy. They're just a big, heavy molecule. 
and they stop things. And that's what they use in a nuclear energy to stop the chain reaction is they have what they call neutron regulators. Well, 156 parts of that water, 156 parts per million of water has deuterium in it on average on the face of the earth. And so you then have hydrogen and deuterium, then O16, O17, and O18. Then you have really heavy water, same as they use for nuclear reactions to stop them, is D2, two deuteriums, oxygen 16, 17, and 18. So the water you're drinking is a mixture of all these different chemical formulas for water. So there's nine different forms of water. Well, what they have found out that if you reduce the amount of deuterium in water, if you reduce it from 156 parts per million down to 135 parts per million, somewhere in that range, that that helps you um, absorb the water better. It's more bioavailable. Plus, that is known. There are papers on that that show that it helps stop cancers. And those are published. Those are clinical studies. There is actual conference of study in the heavy water. And so this deuterium-depleted water is in our water, can, is part of our water. So we actually, part of the water that we have actually has reduced deuterium, and that allows your body to function better. Plus, it is known to stop some diseases. So we had that verified at UC Davis, the isotope labs out in California. So Davinia water has deuterium-depleted water. We're the first ones to produce it in the United States. As far as I know, we're still the only one producing it in the United States. And so your, your water that's in plastic and your divinia water that's in glass, first off, we have deuterium depleted. The plastic does not. The next thing is that we have absolutely no minerals in our water whatsoever, where the other water will have, even if it's distilled water, they have to put sodium back in it and maybe potassium and some magnesium and some other things to make it taste good. We have absolutely nothing in our water. Uh, people go, people will now say, maybe some of your listeners might, might say, well, that's going to leach the minerals out of my body. That's not true. In fact, the opposite is true. They found out that distilled water has no effect whatsoever of leaching any minerals out of your body. On the other hand, water that is heavily laced with calcium or anything else like that, your body sees that you have extra calcium, so it starts taking calcium out of your bones. And that's why they found out that if you take an antiacid, I won't name any brands, but if you take an antiacid, you can get osteoporosis. Yeah. Because it actually removes and your bones get brittle because you're taking too much calcium. On the other hand, if you drink our water or a, a distilled water, they found out that the the calcium levels in the bones are normal are normal, and the density of the bones are normal. 
So we have nothing in there. We have no radioactive elements. We don't have any arsenic in there. We don't have any lead in there. Nothing. So our water is a pure hydrating water with nothing in it. And now I'll get to the fact of EZ water. You've heard of exclusion zone water. Yes. And what is exclusion zone water? <clears throat> what they found out, what Dr. Polak found out and his colleagues before him, that they were studying blood pressure in blood vessels. And they were using some plastic spheres that had a charge on them <clears throat> and distilled water and running them through a gel that mimicked a blood vessel. And what they found out that all the spheres were collecting in the middle and it left an annular ring on the, around the outside that had nothing in it. It was called the exclusion zone. So Jerry, being the brilliant man that he was, took it further and found out that any any water that is around a hyper um, when, uh, hydrophilic surface actually would push particles away. So, would, uh, uh, and we're talking about 377 millionths of an inch, very, very small. So, upon further examination, he found out that there is a charge redistribution of the molecules of the water. And so that there is a separation between the hydrogen and between the OH molecule. And because of that, when you stretch it out or make it a little bit longer, what happens is that it, it has a charge to it. it. Just like water is a polar molecule, a plus and a minus. And the reason water has a charge to it, a polar charge to it, is because the oxygen acts as negative and the two hydrogens acts as positive. And what that does is because there's a separation that has a little polar charge to it, a different magnetic field. And that's why, in fact, microwaves work, is they work upon that water and they make it flip back and forth in a oscillating magnetic field. And by the water molecules hitting against each other, they actually heat up by friction, just like if you rub your hands together, that causes heat, and that's why microwaves actually cook. All they're doing is making water flop around. So this exclusion zone acts as a battery. It's an energy charge, and between the one end of the water molecule and the other end of the water molecule, there is a charge um, asymmetry. There's a charge distribution that's different than normal. So it's not neutral. It's a little battery. That little battery is very, very important because that little battery is what causes chemical reactions in your blood in the first place. And that little battery, by this water having a separation of its charges, actually is what makes the mitochondria work. You've heard mitochondria is the energy generator in the human body. Yes. Well, that mitochondria does not work without water. That's why when you're dehydrated, your organs start shutting down, you get foggy, because your energy levels start depleting. 
And the more you're depleted in water, the more the mitochondria don't work. For any chemical reaction to occur, there has to be some sort of voltage potential there. That's the definition of a chemical reaction. You take two molecules, and there's a difference in voltage between the two, and that makes the one with the lesser voltage attracted to the one with the stronger voltage, and it can start ripping off electrons and protons and recombine into a lower state of energy. So when you don't have water and you don't have the proper water, you don't have the energy to make the mitochondria work. So when you take some water, like in a bottled water or polluted water or any other type of water, and you put other chemicals in it, you're messing with that charge distribution. In fact, the other thing that Dr. Pollock found is if you collapse this easy zone so that you have no easy zone around nerves and muscles, you feel no pain. And that's called anesthesia. And that's actually how anesthesia works, is it collapses the EZ zone so that no electrical charges can move. When no electrical charges move, that means no electrical charges move up the nerves, which means there's no pain sensation. And in fact, when you get dehydrated, that's why you start feeling less and less pain too. Numb. That's the real reason. You're getting dehydrated. You don't have enough water in you to cause the chemical reaction to feel pain. And that's why you get drowsy and, and stupid and stumble and you might fall down and cut yourself and not actually feel the pain because you're dehydrated. You know, how many so, people are inhibited, I mean, they're drunk and they don't yeah. feel pain because they, they're so dehydrated. Exactly. Exactly. So that's, that's why water is so important to you. Well, our water, I told you, was DDW. I told you it went through this special processor that changed it. Well, what we did is we created more easy water and drinking water. In fact, we actually created the cellular water that's inside your body. We bottled it in this bottle. When you drink this water and it's absorbed into your bloodstream, you don't have to use any energy to create DD or to create easy water. The easy water is there already. So it enhances the electrical charge in your, in your blood system, which then makes the cells more reactive and it gives you a little bit you feel a little bit more energetic and it also is the energy that the mitochondria needs to react to cause good chemical reactions now that's also how cancer is created in a lot of chronic diseases is that the mitochondria doesn't have enough energy or it has the wrong energy and it creates the wrong chemical reaction And that wrong chemical reaction is called a cancer cell. And so the mitochondria does not do the proper creation of a cell. It helps create the, the new cell from the DNA and RNA. And the RNA acts the same way also. If it doesn't have enough energy, it doesn't create a very good reaction. Those mis-upped, the, those incorrect 
chemical reactions cause the incorrect cell, which causes cancer. And that's why when you drink polluted water, it messes up with the easy zone, exclusion zone, and it doesn't give your body the right energy, and then it creates these off reactions. So Davinia water is the correct water for the exclusion zone. It's DDW lowered, so it's easier to absorb. It's easier for your body. It's bioavailable. And you don't have to use any of your body's energy to create this water in the first place. So it's like a, taking a free free energy drink. Uh, it actually gives you more energy. And it also helps the speed of the electrical impulses improve because it, it doesn't have to create it. It doesn't have to fight it. And then the third aspect of our water is the elevated there's it's elevated levels of, of oxygen. <clears throat> it's it's highly oxygenated, which is amazing because it, it's actually elevated oxygen naturally through our our purification process. Um, and so we had that studied at UC Davis as well. It's 102 percent oxygenated. Um, and that just comes through the vortexing and, and the spin of the water as it's going through um, the the resonant chamber of our purification process. Um, and 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 I, if I can, I'd like to revisit the deuterium depleted because that's something that's so new and, and pioneering. No, hold it right there because we have to break two segments. But, but once again, folks, two people, one very very close to me, has been taking this water now. The improvement. And the levels of life have improved considerably. And I know a lot of our listeners, some of you have contacted me in the past saying, hey, if you find a cost that we can invest, let me know. Well, I'm letting you know that this is something that I trust, that I've used, and I have seen it for myself. So I know you have a way to procure investors right now. Do you want to take a minute to talk about this and also how to buy the water, how to subscribe, and, and learn more about it? Yes. Uh, I'll let Kirsten address that. So we are actually doing an online, online public offering, which means we are selling shares of the company in exchange for funds. It's an official fundraising, uh, and it's through crowdfunding through um, the SEC. So it is all registered with the SEC. It's above board, um, and it's um, it's clean, and we report financials and, and everything. Um, and so the great thing about that is when you invest in the company, you're just not giving money to the company. You're actually doing that in exchange for shares in Divinia Water. So you do begin to own parts of Divinia Water when you engage in this, this crowdfunding. Um, so unlike Kickstarter and, and Indiegogo, you know those those platforms. You just you give money and and in exchange for maybe a perk or a free T-shirt or an item, you do get those with with this fundraise. But in fact, you also get shares in the company. That's through Start Engine, and the website is www.startengine.com/backslash/DivinaWater, uh, and there's videos on there. Um, there's pictures, um, testimonials, et cetera, et cetera. And it's a great resource if you're curious or even just want to see what we're up to. 
Um, and then purchases can also be made through our website. Uh, we have an online store, www.daviniawater.com. There you can purchase the water. The water does include the cost of shipping. So don't let the cost of shipping, or I'm sorry, don't let the cost of, of the product deter you because the cost of shipping is also included. Uh, so, you know, when, when you go online and you're perusing the website, um, you know, it may look intimidating at first, but as we grow too, we we're working very hard to lower the cost of the water. Um, in fact, when Stephen talked to you a few years ago, I think the cost for three gallons or equivalent to three gallons of water was close to $300. Yeah. We're now under the $100 mark for a 24 pack case. So uh, we're working very hard as we grow to help lower the cost so that more and more people can have access to this water. And we also have banners on our website. I like to do whatever I can because I believe in your product. Well, folks, don't go anywhere. I want to discuss testimonials. You have a lot of them when we come back and a lot of the benefits that you can derive from consuming Davinia water. I'm here with Dr. Steven Settlemeyer and Kirsten Landers Settlemeyer. A lot more when we come back. This is Mel Fabregas and you are listening to Veritas. Don't go anywhere. Thank you for listening to the first part of this very important Veritas interview. To listen to the rest and all of our material, proceed to the members section or subscribe at VeritasRadio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for MMS, hemp oil, pure organic sulfur, and other great products. Thank you.